Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. How many times have you read a quote-unquote fiction book and realized this sounds very familiar? This brings to mind a couple of authors in Tolkien and Orwell. Today, Joseph Michelino comes on the show to tell us about a trilogy he wrote that sounds very familiar to many of our paths of following a belief in government and realizing there has to be a better way. And can fiction writing be a useful tool in spreading the message of no king but Christ? Let's find out. Let's go. Yeah. Left, right, left, right, left. We got our marching right, orders, man. Left, right, left. Joseph, how are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Let's uh, talk about Joseph a little bit and get us a little background of yourself. Yeah, so I, um, I'll try not to take too much time because God knows I could talk forever about myself. Um, that, that's the subject I'm most expert on is, uh, is, is about me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much like anyone else in terms of my, my journey in life. So I was, I was born and raised in St. Pete, Florida. Um, so grew up in a decent sized city, got to watch that grow and grow up. And, uh, I always, from from a young age, I always had creativity. I was always into the nerdy stuff. I, I loved Star Trek growing up. Uh, I had, you know, an imaginary friend. Uh, I always say I, my my imaginary friend lived under my bed, so there was no fear of a monster under my bed, right? Because it was <laughs> I was friends with them, so it worked out. Yeah. Um, but I used to, for for as long as I can remember, before I got into reading, I would like have these fantasies that when I'd play by myself, I'd have like oh, I'm a wizard and I have this elf friend and we go on adventures together. Like that was me as a little, you know, little kid running around, a little toddler kid. Um, but then in uh, in about fifth grade, I think I read The Hobbit. And then in sixth grade, I read the rest of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And from there on, my love for fantasy books specifically just skyrocketed. And uh, I always say I wasn't the most popular kid in, in like middle school and into high school. So what that did is that drove me to the Internet. And I started writing on the internet. So I started finding these online role-playing forums, um, which are pretty much like D&D, but you do it all text-based on the internet. And so you meet these strangers and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a wizard and you're, a, and you're this other thing. And you, and you write stories together. And it's a collaborative. You just go back and forth writing the action. And, you know, there's a bunch of different people. And that really... As I was doing that, that grew me, that grew my skills of writing, first of all. Um, but second of all, as I was doing that, I'm like, hey, if I'm doing this, if I enjoy this so much, I'm going to start building my own world. Uh, and so that culminated around uh, high school, early in high school and throughout high school. I would just write about my world, which at the time didn't have the name that it does today, Everath. It was just for a while, I think I called it Gaia, which those who are familiar with mythology might know why I did that. Um, but Everath is the goddess who created the world. And she is also the name of the world itself is also called Everath in, in my in my fictional universe. And uh, yeah, so I, I just built it out uh, again throughout high school into college. And then uh, early on in college, I'm like, if I'm going to write this world, I might as well have stories in it. So I might as well start writing actual narratives and uh, that's when uh, the book I'm currently writing started to form. And the trilogy that I'm going to talk more about today actually came a tiny bit later. <laughs> Funny enough, I actually started writing the book that I'm writing now um, first. And then I'm like, now nah, I want I want a precursor. I need something earlier in the timeline. Um, so basically, there's a timeline of a thousand years of Everath. And I'm going to be writing a ton of stories to fill in that gap of a thousand years. Nice. I mean, that's really cool because I can tell just by watching you or listening to you explain that your mind, you've got a very creative mind. And I think that's I'm always fascinated by because I've always feel sometimes like I'm just a dull guy. I like to sit and watch football. <laughs> and here's Joseph. He's got all these things going on in his head. He's supposed to write it all down. I, I, that's fascinating to me. Um, 
We've been corresponding since July of 2023 through email, but you had also joined the Bad Roman Discussion Group. But let's start here because th- this type of this type of writing is not something it's not that I'm not interested in. It's just not something that I just sit down and, and that I that I gravitate towards. But it's interesting to me. If and if I could find time, I'll, I'll sit down. Like, all right, all right, let's let's start here. Like, Lord of the Rings. People they they kind of tilt their head at me. Uh, it seems like a lot of the listeners to the show or followers of the project, they all know about Lord of the Rings. And when I tell them I've never sat down and read the book, books, or even sat down and, and took time to watch the movies, they tilt their head at me like I'm some kind of weirdo. And I'm like, I just I don't I just haven't done it. Which is funny too, because I, and I mentioned before we started recording, Caleb Kesterson wrote a couple articles for a blog about Lord of the Rings and Anarchy, and I had him on the show, and that episode got a lot of traction. I was like, oh, people are interested in this stuff. <laughs> so this, I'm so excited to have you on the show today to talk about your stuff because that can lead us towards um, no king but Christ or anarchy in itself. And I think what you were telling me in the, in the initial emails was that. The first book kind of starts with like your libertarian ideals, or that's how you kind of were like a libertarian. And then you kind of woke up, was like, hang on a second. There's got to be a better way. This isn't working either. You know, so I, and I appreciate that about that about you that you kind of broke away from that because I get a, I get really frustrated with libertarians. And I think you can see it throughout my social media that I get very frustrated with libertarians because it's like, hang on, you already got all the information. You've got the information. You're saying the right things. Why are you stuck in the mud? Well, Joseph got out of the mud, and he's he's moving on to the paradise of, of anarchy, and he's going to write about it in, in these fiction books. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, how you kind of moved from libertarianism into anarchy. You made that six-month transition, or however long it took. It's, it took me a little bit longer than six months. But I'm, I'm always curious when I get somebody new on the show to find out how they got into anarchy from libertarianism, where, where you were at before libertarianism, or maybe you were always a libertarian. You're like, all right, well, we're not going anywhere with this. It's time to do something different. So I'd say I probably started as a Republican. I I always say I thought I grew up super poor until I got a little, until I got like a little bit more mature in high school. And the reason being, my my parents sent me to private school. So I went to Catholic uh, elementary, middle school, Catholic high school, um, which was a big sacrifice for them. We, you know, I'm there going, driving my first car as an, is a, is a Nissan Sentra as old as I am, and I'm rolling up there, and everyone else is driving an Escalade in high school, right? But during that time, it was that atmosphere, I think, right? You get that like conservative Christian background, and it, it's like, okay, I'm a Republican because that's what you do, and we have authority, and you got to respect authority, and, and yay, soldiers and police and, and all this stuff. And it was all there. It was all, uh, you know, had just these bad beliefs that had to be shaken off and, and tested. And and just it took a lot of time because I was a little bit pigheaded to be, to be, to be straight up. And so I, I'd say libertarianism is I took that step sometime in college. And uh, my brother, my older brother was already a libertarian. So it was a little bit easier because I had someone close to me that could introduce me to those ideas. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, this this makes more sense. Um, I clung to it for far too long. It was probably till like 2022 where I, when I was finally like, no, okay, this just, I, I and I think so. I will say sympathy, and I get annoyed by it too. But I, I remember how long it took me. Um, but uh, I'll say sympathetically to libertarians that like I, I get it to some extent because in your head you're like, well, but this is how the world is. So, like, at least this was my argument. Well, this is how the world is. So we can't just not participate if we, we have to participate in it, right? If we don't participate in it, how are we going to make a change? But then I, I guess it's a certain point, And for me, it was actually reading the Bible. It was literally my own personal Bible study that got me to, to challenge myself because I'm reading through and I'm like, okay, it's very clear that you go back to like Samuel when God was like, no, don't have you know, I'm your king. You don't need a king. They're like, no, we want a king. And so he's like, all right, good luck with that, is, is my paraphrasing, right? That's what happened. And then we see all these books in the Bible about what happened when they didn't listen to God and had a king. Now, terrible things, God. And then Jesus comes and says the same thing. So it was, it was through that study that I'm like, you know what? 
I'm pretty sure this book is telling me that libertarian is a half measure. It's not good enough. What we need is to go all the way and to really have one master, one ruler, which is not here on earth. It's no human saying, oh, you, you got to do this because, you know, the four of us said you do. So now you have to do what we want you to like that. That's just that's just baloney. The only authority is in heaven itself. And, and so that belief got me kind of over that hurdle. And just to realize that it doesn't matter what state we're in today. It doesn't matter how bad things look. It doesn't matter if that's how it's always been. It doesn't matter if these are the limitations of the system. We need to forget about that and just start living as if it's the way it ought to be. We have to start working, which is, you know, off topic for this. But I mean, that's why I have some land that we got in 2020 and we have goats and chickens and we're trying to be self-sufficient. We're trying. I want to build an actual community one day of just like, hey, this is this is a community of Christians that help the community and, you know, start where we take care of each other and then branch out and start helping more people. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> that, you know, and I didn't realize. So you're kind of new to this whole anarchy thing. I always feel like I'm new to all this because the, the circles we run in. I think, and I've told this story numerous times on the show about my transition, but like, I always feel like I'm new to this. So it's kind of cool to me to run into somebody's like, oh, he's even newer to this than I am. So <laughs> I'm not the newbie anymore. So Joseph is the newbie. So that's really cool because the, a lot of the circles we run in, they're, they've been in it. They've gone through it. They've, they've fought the fight. They're still fighting the fight and they've been doing it for a while. And so, and I, and I always like to lean on them because- I'm far from the smartest person in this world, far, far from it. So when I get folks like Paul Perryall, who runs in, in, you know, in these, in these groups, when I can lean on somebody like him and learn something from him, you know, there's so many people that I've come in contact with through Christian anarchist circles that are way smarter than me and they can explain this way better than I can. And I'm like, why didn't you start a podcast? <laughs> why aren't you doing what I'm doing? Maybe they're not interested. Maybe their 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 thing is to write, and that's what you do is you write. And so we're going to talk about that as well. So, in full disclosure to the listeners of of this show, I, I have not read any of these books. I've got some summaries that that Joseph sent me. So we're going to go through them as we go along. There's three books. You told me in 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 your initial email is that writing fiction is your way of spreading the word about Christian anarchy. What about the fiction that you're writing? Do you believe can spread this message? Because I'm always I'm always interested in this, how people can come at this in different angles. Because we talk about perspectives all the time on the show. And so your perspective and how you can write, you know, in, in, a, in a fiction book, how is that spreading the, the, the message of, of Jesus? I mean, Christian anarchism, when you get right down to the nuts and bolts of it, is Christianity. It's the teachings of Christ. And if we're going to be honest about this, the teachings of Christ is anarchy. So... Talk about that a little bit. How, how is writing fiction your way of spreading the word of Christian anarchy? So I, I, I'll start by just in general. Um, I, I think fiction is is underrated sometimes in its ability to uh, to spread messages and its ability to influence us. And I think a lot of people even get to a point where they're like, oh, well, I, I, I see past that. You know, I don't get influenced by what I watch or what I read or I'm capable. And you know what? That's bogus because everyone is influenced. If you're reading something, um, and, and I'm a big, uh, and make sure I stay on topic here, but I think I'm going to wrap this. I think I'm going to tie it together nicely. Um, but I'm a big, uh, I'm a big reader in general. I, I actually read more nonfiction than anything else. And, and what I mean by that is just because it helps me with world building. So I read philosophy, history, especially are like the two subjects I read the most. I read a lot of religious books for my own personal, you know, to better understand the Bible and whatnot. But uh, so with that said, I've read a lot. I've read Mein Kampf. I've read Das Kapital. I've read the Mao's Little Red Book. I've re and I've read Wealth of Nations. I've read Atlas Shrugged. Because I know there's a lot of people in the freedom adjacent movements that love Anne Rand. There's some, some pluses and minuses to her stuff. Um, but the the point is that every one of those books, when you're reading them, you're going to get influenced to some extent. Now, if you go into the book realizing that, you can, you can counter it. You know, like, I don't feel like I'm 
pro-communism because I've read Karl Marx books, right? It actually helped me be more anti-communism because I understand the actual philosophy. And I'm like, yeah, this philosophy is not for humans. <laughs> this is some weird, yeah. But again, if you go into it reading like, oh, I'm not going to get influenced by this, you may get influenced by it. So we get influenced by everything we consume. We get influenced by the people we're around. So I think we we miss how often our TV or our books kind of promote statism and promote these bad theologies, bad philosophies. Um, and, and we even see it where it's like, oh, we people use the example of, oh, we root for the uh, for the revolutionaries. Yeah, but usually in the books, the revolutionaries are just trying to start a new government. They're just trying to, to, to do the same thing, but a little bit different. So it's nicer and everyone's happier. <laughs> but it's still this utopian, like, we're going to somehow run the world in this peaceful way with our new government. But that doesn't make sense because you can't have this forcible government that's that's murdering and locking people up and have it be a good thing. Like, it, <laughs> they're, they're, they're contradictions, right? So... So that's that's the first thing I want to make a point is that anything we read, any form of entertainment we watch or consume is going to influence us. So I think we need to, as believers and as as uh, I think anyone who has that creativity should be trying to get messages out there like I am, because I think it can be influential. It can give us something good to read that we don't have to worry about is going to be shoving some weird philosophy down our throat. Um, but with that said, so the, the big core, so the, the first book starts out with, uh, uh, an array of characters. So each of these books is told from different character perspectives. I write in third person limited. So it's, it's from third person, but it's in a limited character perspective from third person. Um, so different chapters and it's very clear which chapter is referring to it's, is which perspective. Um, so I introduced some characters. One of the characters is is the head investigator for the Elvish Kingdom. So he's very much in his position. He's enforcing laws. He's arresting people. He's doing all this bad stuff. Uh, another character, she's moved to the kingdom, and she's actually kind of that libertarian influence in that first book. Um, she's she's working with this underground movement to to upset the kingdom and be like, hey, we need we need a republic. Because that's going to solve all our problems. Again, it, it's that thought. Well, if it's a republic instead of a monarchy, it will solve our problems. And spoiler alert, in book two, when the republic has been instituted, it does not solve any of their problems. I feel like we've seen this before. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? I mean, it, it, it just it doesn't solve anything. The, the, the crux of it is, and then by, by book three, there is actually a society being introduced that was started... Um, and, and I don't want to give too much away, and there's actually the first trilogy doesn't give a ton away um, anyways. But basically there is, by the end of book three, um, people are getting settled into this new city that's been established that is actually an anarchist society. There are no rulers, there are no rules, just people go there and they can build up their, their this is like medieval time. I, guess, I think that's important to keep in mind. So there is a lot of magic. So that makes their quality of life a lot better than it was here on Earth in medieval time. But it is medieval time. So we're talking about pretty simple structures, pretty simple qualities of life. You know, they don't have TVs or, or entertainment or whatnot like we do today. But yeah, so that's the journey. Um that's all going on. Well, there's a uh, there's a big bad in the first trilogy, which the second book is called The Rise of Yezogstal. So he is the he is that that big enemy, and uh, basically he serves as a uh, as that ultimate authority figure, right? He serves as that as that uh, as the perfect emperor ruler. Like like what would statism be? if it really could do what it wanted to do fully, that's Yezogstal. He is just ruthless, does not care. He has his vision of perfection of what society should be, and that's what he's trying to, to push for. You sent me some summaries of the first two books, um, and you, you talked about book two just briefly there a second ago, but at the end of the first summary, or the, for the first book, you said notes to consider. And I'm going to read the notes to consider because I want, I want people to listen to this. He said, I always think of these stories as PG-13 level. There's no sex, but there is mention of rape, as that is how Yzerkestal, did I say that right? Yzerkestal. 
<laughs> All right. So the, the guy you just mentioned in book two was conceived in rape. The battles are graphic enough to describe what happens, but not in gory detail. This is high fantasy, so an em emphasis on world build building and the use of many species and plenty of magic is prevalent. Being creations of God, humans do not exist natively in the world of Everath. So I think that's important because, like, I can read something. I don't get offended by sex in a movie. I mean, it's I mean it's part of it. You know, you were talking a while ago, too, about, like, you go into something – and to say that you're not going to be influenced by something. When you were talking about that, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit here, kind of backing up what you were talking about earlier. When it comes to movies and even TV shows, and you see behind me, folks listening can't see, there's a football game on behind me. My Dallas Cowboys are playing the Washington Redskins. I will never call them commanders, by the way. They're still the Redskins. And if that offends somebody, Send me an email at podcast at gmail.com. We'll talk about it. <laughs> but there's propaganda in this, in these football games. It starts off with everybody standing, saluting, doing the national anthem. And just here, uh, New Year's Eve, I went to uh, a Memphis Grizzlies basketball game. And I mentioned this in the discussion group. It's the first time I've attended a sporting event where I did not stand up and sing the national anthem. or I, I stayed seated. And it was the most uncomfortable I've ever felt in my life. Not because I was like, thought I was doing something wrong. It's because of everybody around me. I could feel their eyes upon me. I could hear them saying things about me, but I didn't care. But I was still uncomfortable. And I was the only one in that arena not standing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to get too, I don't want to get too far off track, but when you were talking about when people say that they're not going to get influenced, garbage. Because when you do go into these things, you're going to be influenced by something. And your books aren't full of propaganda. Your books are, are pointing out the propaganda. Yep. And I think that's important. You're pointing out the propaganda. And when people read what you put down on paper, they need to recognize that too. There's a lot of propaganda and a lot of things that we encounter in this world on a daily basis commercials, TV shows, movies, music, sporting events. There's a lot of that. So to, so I think everybody can be influenced. And it, it, I mean, hell, man, it influenced me through my whole life. But man, in the city of Memphis, at the Memphis Grizzly game, I was doing this, and I could feel the pressure on my neck from folks. I heard him. Why is it he standing? I can't believe he's – I mean, I'm talking about folks I was with. I can't believe he's not standing. That's fine. I'm not going to. Because my idea, what the way I recognize the empire, and I think that's what you're doing with these books too, is when you recognize what the empire is about, that is so contrary to the teachings of Christ. And I think it's important for writers like you to keep doing what you're doing to get this message out because the empire is evil and Jesus is good. Amen. The teachings of Christ are good. The teachings of the empire are evil. And there's, there's no... I, I say this all the time. I see no gray when it comes to this. It's very black and white to me. Jesus or the devil. The teachings of Christ or the teachings of the empire. That's so simple to me. And Christians really, in my opinion, need to take hold of that. Because it, until they do, we're going to lose in this life. Now, we all know in the end who wins, Right. We all know in the end how this is going to, how the, the, at the end, this is God's world. This is God's kingdom. And we're, we're here. He put us here. But we've got to stay the course. We've got to keep talking about this. And we've got to take a stand. And even that means taking a seat. It reminds me of the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. I don't know if you, if you I don't know if you're a big sports guy, but it reminds me of him taking that knee. And I remember being so upset about it. Or when I'm talking about back in the day about Muhammad Ali when he would not go to war, but he was taking a stand. And now stuff like that influences me. It influences me because I can see there's like they're not afraid to take a stand or take a knee or take a seat because they know the injustices in this world from the government. And we've got to, as Christians, especially Christians, we have to stay firm in our belief in this and don't waver 
this is so important because if we if we if there's any inconsistencies with what we're talking about, are you going to latch onto that, Joseph? If you see inconsistency, how long are you going to hang out? I have a hard time with inconsistency. I have a real problem with inconsistent messaging, inconsistent anything. It drives me crazy. If we're going to talk about Christian anarchy, and we're going to talk about the teachings of Christ, we need to talk about what he's, what Jesus was saying. And we need to do our best. I'm not saying that we can follow the teachings of Christ step by step, lock step with Jesus, because we're, we're human beings. And we're going to do some stupid things along the way. But the, the messaging has to be consistent. And I think that's what you're doing with these books, too. You're pointing out the inconsistencies of the empire and showing a way there's a better way. Anyway, there's my rant. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no. That You know, that as you were saying that, it reminds me of what you kind of uh, alluded to at the beginning as like uh, timing, right? And God works things out in timing. And I will say, I, I, I think that uh, the, the first book came out a few years before I would have considered myself an anarchist. And I took a break. And it was, you know, one excuse after the other why I wasn't wasn't writing the second book. Actually, the second book was mostly finished for years. That like the the book was sixty something thousand words for years, and uh, it wasn't until uh, until I found out that that my wife was pregnant with our first son. He's about ten months old, time of recording. He he was born in in March, so he'll be a year old in March. Um, he, um, but when I found that out, I'm like, okay, I need to get real. Like I need to, if I'm going to be a father and I'm going to be raising a son to, to be, to be a good Christian, to be an upstanding neighbor, right? Not, not a good citizen, <laughs> a good neighbor, because hopefully he will be a very bad Roman and he will be a very good neighbor. Um, but if I'm going to do that, I need to be consistent in myself and, uh, and that's that's really pushed me to go hard on pursuing what I feel like is my calling because I, I do I feel like these these stories this I I don't think I'd have all this like I don't think the gears would turn and I'd come up with all these stories if I wasn't meant to share them right and so I I look at this as as my calling as as what I'm supposed to do to help to help build the kingdom and uh, it's interesting though because philosophically I don't think I was ready when I released book one to finish. Like, I'm super glad that I didn't keep just knocking out books because then the first trilogy might have been libertarian garbage. <laughs> it might not have, it might not, it wouldn't have gone the way it went, right? So it's good that I didn't finish it right away. It's good that I kind of, it, 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 to some extent, it's like, hey, maybe God was giving me those excuses to delay until I was ready to grow up and accept the truth of what he wanted. You know that you know what that reminds me of. And, and speaking of the Memphis Grizzly game, I, I, I took a, a ride, a Lyft ride. You know, you got Lyft and Uber. I couldn't get Uber out here where I live, but I could get Lyft. And the guy that picked me up to take me to the game, we were talking about this. We started talking about the podcast. I was so excited. It was a 30, 40 minute drive, and our conversation was fantastic. And he said something along the way. And listening to you talk, it reminds me of this. God, he said, God is strategic. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I knew it, but I never said it, you know? And so what he, what, what you just said reminded me of that conversation with that guy. He said, because what I'm, the guy wants to come on the podcast, he's got a lot of things to say about what we're talking about. And, and I told him, I said, do you believe in like God thing? You know, this is a God thing, you know? He goes, absolutely. He goes, this ride right here is a God thing. He goes, he goes, that's what I'm saying. God is strategic. He goes, I wasn't even going to accept this ride. He said, but I did. And I picked you up and we're having this conversation. He, came, he said, this is fantastic. And I think that's something that Christians need to consider too. You can't rush God. You can't rush your own agenda. You've got to, you, you've got to, God's got a purpose and a time for everything. And I've seen it throughout the almost four years now of this project. He's got a time and a purpose for when we release shows and how these things happen because God is strategic. And I'm trying to figure out the best imagery I can find to make a meme about God is strategic. Cause I think that is so fantastic that he said that and it's something that we have to, we need to remember as Christians that God is strategic. This is what, this is, this is a God thing. This is a Jesus thing. And we're here 
to promote the kingdom, but this it's on his time. But he's going to do things the way he's, he's, he, he, he knows better than we do, right? And so, like you said, if, if you'd have just kept writing, it'd have been a bunch of libertarian garbage, but then you stopped because it's a God thing, because God is strategic. Yeah. No, and, and it... And it definitely, I think story-wise, it worked out a lot better too <laughs> than than me delaying. But, uh, and to to be clear, I finished the second book and wrote a third book and I'm almost done with another book in another series. So I have, uh, I have kept up that momentum. So I'm not going to just come back and then stop. And <laughs> I, I do intend to keep writing. Hey folks. We have set up a very simple way to donate to the Bad Mormon Project through SpotFund.com. Just go to SpotFund and search No King But Christ. This has become necessary to continue to provide a quality podcast and keep production costs down as well. Just five or ten bucks a month will go a long way in helping us keep this project going and continue spreading the very basic message of No King But Christ. So if you like what we were doing and can find it within your budget, go to SpotFund.com and search No King But Christ and you can set up monthly donations or even donate one time. Any and all donations help more than you know, and as always, any donations above production costs will go directly to charities in Memphis, Tennessee. Thank y'all so much. Now back to the show. Well, since I since I took us way off the track, because you started talking about book two a little bit, and I think I derailed the whole conversation by jumping in, <laughs> which I do all the time on the show. Everybody should be used to that by now, but... While you go back into book two, tell us whatever you want folks to know about it. Because like I said, don't give too much away because I want people to go pick these books up. If they're interested in this type of writing, go pick them up. But tell us a little bit about book two. Then book three, I have no idea about because I didn't get any summary about. So you can kind of tell us a little bit about that as well. Then we'll we'll close it out. Yeah, definitely. So so book two is... uh... I did something a little bit different in so much as I did a lot from the villain's perspective. So Yazrik Stahl is actually, to some extent, the main character in book two. Also introduce a character who's going to be, I guess, I guess this is a bit of a spoiler because he survives the first trilogy. But there's a shapeshifter who is actually going to be like the main character through a lot of these books. He's going to be one of the major characters. And the reason being is I want a character... So the, the long and the short of this, this is my own unique shape-shifting race. And, and basically, there are species that Everath, the goddess of this world, created. And they don't die of natural causes ever. But when they shape-shift, they actually take on the essence and the form of what they turn into. So if they turn into a human and you stab them in the heart, they can die. Because they become a human. And if, if they don't shape, you know, if they're in that form and they get killed, they get killed. Um but he's going to be one of the major characters throughout the story. So he gets introduced. Um, his village is uh, is is one of the early casualties from Yezrik Stahl. But he, um, Yezrik Stahl, the villain, I, the reason I wanted to show a lot from his perspective, and another reason that that book took me longer to write, which I think was a positive, even though at, the, at, at first I'm like, man, I just can't finish this. It's very difficult to write from the perspective of just this evil megalomaniac tyrant when you don't think that way. When, when you uh, when you want people to be free and to live happy and healthy and and to and to follow Christ and and, and to love their neighbors, and then you have a guy who basically, um, I, I guess I guess I'll keep it at this because I, I don't want to give away too much, but. He is evil, and he is pure evil. So a lot of characters in in Everath books are going to be a little bit gray. Even the heroes are reluctant heroes for the most part. Even the heroes, a lot of times, like I said, basically one of the major good characters is a cop at first. And uh, cops are not really good guys. (laughs) I don't know if if some listeners might disagree, then uh, we can have that conversation. But uh, they're not. But the thing with him is he he starts to recognize that. So he the I mentioned the the book two he is with that female elf. So the male and female elf that I introduce in book one end up together and they're together in book two and three and beyond. Um, so another mini spoiler, but uh, not not important to the overall plot. I don't think. I mean it, their relationship is, but the narrative of the story, if if that makes sense. And they just realize, again, they grow together where in, in book one, I said they, 
the female, she's a druid. Uh, she's an elvish druid, so she does magic and and she, um, but she brings the the main character Artemis is the main uh, male elf, and he um he joins her movement. And by book two, they've actually have a republic in place instead of a, a monarchy. And the leader they put in place, though, without spoiling exactly how, is definitely not what they expected him to be. He is not the savior that they thought he would be because he just wanted power like all leaders do. And so he, uh, the Republic is not the beautiful cooperative system they thought it would be. And that leads them to book three. Um, but throughout book two is just a lot of Yezrik Stahl just expanding. He, he starts actually setting up his kingdom. He starts uh, getting rid of his enemies and just, just being an all around evil dude. I'm, I'm trying not to give details away, and I realize I, sh- I should like practice. I should like rehearse some of these things without like without like giving away the plot. But by the end of book two, let's just say that uh, the the good guys realize that their that their system isn't that great, and they need some work, and they have driven the the bad guy back. Um, all of these, none of these books, these first three books, end with any huge cliffhanger. I'll tell people that much as well. So, so things do get resolved. There's, you know, there's always some some hanging things at the end. But, uh, but that leads to book three. So at the end of book two, they've kind of resolved the situation with the other stall. And then in book three, he's uh, he's back with a vengeance, and uh, he starts taking out any small settlements throughout Everath. He starts picking them off. Um, and uh, the good guys unite together, and they they try to fight the bad guy. And not everyone makes it because it's it's you know there's there's brutal combat. That's how it works in 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 life. Not everyone lives. Um, so there are some some main characters that go. There are some minor characters that go. But there's a, there's some big battles. Uh, and at the end of the, the book, there's kind of, book three is split into two parts. So the first part is the big fight against Yezerstal and that whole, the whole deal. And then the, the second part is them actually getting established in this new city that uh, has been basically around for a, a year, just a little bit over a year. These people have been forming this community and they became allied with uh one of the main characters, who's a centaur, his name is Iron Tail. Anyone who uh, who likes fun little my centaur all have names like you know Wooden Brow and Iron Tail and and gold like they all have like materials and then body parts is their naming convention. <laughs> um, I thought it was a fun little thing to do, um, but but Iron Tail is uh, he he's actually again a lot of the characters and I know I'm jumping. You, you said to do book two and now I'm jumping around different things. No, it's cool. Keep going. But a, a lot of these characters are just different stages. So like Iron Tail, when we first meet him in book one, he's a he's a centaur warrior. And he's the he is his village is uh is they have this they always go, oh the elders are wise. Like, oh well why are we doing this? The elders are wise. That's why. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Because they've told us to and they know Everat's will. So it's like that legalistic uh, Christianity is kind of uh, it's a it's a poke at that to some ex- <laughs> to, to a large extent. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like I like to poke at the uh, legalistic type Christians because it's funny you mention that because I, I run into these folks all the time and I actually ran into one on our Facebook page and she was all bashing us for celebrating Christmas. It's like, like you don't even know what you're talking about. First of all, and I didn't finish it. I almost said this, but I was like. Legalistic Christians like you are, are one of the many reasons the Bad Roman Project exists. <laughs> so keep giving us content so we can keep talking about you. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> but but he he um he starts questioning that right. So he starts questioning. Okay, but why? Like why? Like and it's like oh, you think too much. Well, can I think too much? I'm just trying to like be. A- <laughs> be a, be be better at at being a, a person, a centaur in his case. But um, but he actually through the course of the of the first book, I'll I'll, I'll leave again. I, I'm trying to skate around the the narrative events. But he gets into more of a position of power, and he starts leading his people to be like, no, like we don't need to have leaders. We can just like be people. Like we we can actually just like get like 
cooperate as as people. Like, so he, he, there's all these different angles that things are coming from. Um, and and then there's a uh, yeah, there's a there's a character introduced in book three. He's kind of a minor character. He's uh, one of the so uh, you mentioned I think from my from the notes I sent you about there being a bunch of different species, a bunch of different races. So like so a couple of the, there's elves, there's centaur I mentioned, there's satyr, which are the goat people, like they're, they're part goat, part man. Um, there's uh, Lamia, which is based off of a Greek myth as well. They were these women that were like snake upper, I mean, human upper body snake tail. Um, but there are whole species in here. Um, and then there's uh, there's some original races. So there's a lizard people that I call Lizak. There's a cat people that you'd you'd like Telshira. She's a felite. They're they're the cat people. <laughs> yes, that's my girl. But she is uh, she is pretty much in this first trilogy. No, not pretty, but she is the most uh, ba warrior. Like she is the ultimate fighter in this first trilogy for the good guys anyway. Um, I have a I have a couple of cats that fit that description actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's she um yeah, so she um she's a she's a main player and she's kind of just again, she's everyone's kind of in this position, right? Where they have their loyalty to their people, but all of these main characters just start questioning it and start realizing that like the design isn't to be like, no, I'm for this tribe and you're for that tribe. And we got to, the design is that, hey, I'm a person, you're a person. How can we both do better? Like, how, how can we both help each other? How, how can we make the world better? Um, so all of them just kind of start realizing that. And uh, again, whoever survives, I won't say who all survives, but whoever survives by the end are kind of like congregating at that new community that's being formed. And then that's going to, the, the next series, uh, uh, which will probably be out towards the end of 2024, book one. I, I'm trying to write all, there's going to be four books in the in the following series. So I should probably not say all these details. But anyways, the, I'm going to try to write it in a way that I can release book one at the end of this year. And then the next three books all in 2025 is kind of my plan. So it sounds like the, the from from book one to book three, it sounds like to me like they've discovered voluntarism. Yeah. Now, do they, and I, I don't know if, if you can answer this without giving too much away, but do they, because we hear this a lot from folks who are not anarchists or voluntarists. They, they say that we live in this, this, this imaginary world that, that of this utopia, you know, and I'm, and I always kind of bristle at that when I, when I hear that from folks, because I'm listening, because there's nothing more, Fake than than your than your belief in authority, and if you think that 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 our, our our belief that we can all just get along and live as God intended is utopia, I think you're the one living in, in, in fantasy land. We're actually we're actually seeking what God intended. So can you do? Do they find the utopia? I don't I don't want you to give anything away. If if, if you can't answer it, that's cool. But I'm kind of curious is. When they recognize, like, oh, this is this is our utopia, and this is not really a utopia. This is the way it was always meant to be. Yep. So the at the end of book three, they're starting out in this society. So what I'll tell you is the book that takes place sixty years later in the next series. So this is these three books to be clear are a trilogy. You can read these three and be done, or you can read these three and you don't. You can read the next book that I'm that I mentioned without reading these three. Technically, though, this gives a lot of background that you probably want. But the book I'm writing right now, they are living sixty years later in this community, and they are yes. So the people living there have it that this is yeah, this is better. It's definitely not a utopia though, and it. I'm glad you bring that up because it's funny. I um I had this conversation with someone pretty recently, and and we were going back and forth, and it got there was it was a passionate discussion. It was good. It was somebody who I could have an impassioned discussion without either of us getting butt hurt or angry. But you know, I I you I think I've kept my volume somewhat under control, but you can tell I can get pretty loud. Um, it's it's that uh, 
it's that Italian heritage, I think. You can also tell that from the way I throw my hands around all the time. Crates here probably like ready to turn off his, uh, his video of me because I'm just throwing my hands around. <laughs> I mean, I've thrown hands this whole time, and I'm from West Texas. I'm not Italian, so I don't know. maybe it's just the just 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 our uh, our attitude. I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe it's just that passion, you know. It it drives you to to what it is. But I, I was having that discussion. And he's like, "Oh, yeah, what you know?" It's, so basically, though, what you what you're saying is impossible. Though it's a utopia. I'm like, no. I'm like, actually, let's take a step back. A utopia would be a government. Now, if we're gonna <laughs> yes. play utopia land. A government would, it would be a great, loving, caring government that made sure everyone had food and, and water and everyone was taken care of, and it would all be a central authority that would make sure everyone had what they needed. That would be a utopia. But it can't exist. It's impossible. It, 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 and it, I, I always say, like, if there was a government that was, and I, I'm not 100% sure that it ever was supposed to be perfect, but the U.S., our revolution, our government, if there was a government that ever tried to be free and tried to facilitate it, it was the U.S., and it failed miserably. Miserably. I mean, look at us today. Yeah, it, it, miserably. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. I've been trying to, I've been shouting that from the rooftops for yeah. <laughs> since I became an anarchist. I said, what are you holding on to? This is why I get so frustrated with libertarians. What are you trying to hold on to here? What are you trying to fix here? And, and not just if, if you're an atheist libertarian, fine, have a ball. But as a Christian libertarian, what are you trying to fix here? Yeah, you're wasting your time. I get so frustrated with 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 uh, with libertarians that celebrate political victories. What? What are you talking about? Walk away from this garbage. What are you trying to hold on to here? Walk away. That's, you're trying to fix something that can't be fixed. It's clear in the Bible that this government is backed by Satan and his demons. Satan and his demons are running this government. The, the United States government, the Revolutionary War that everybody wants to celebrate, Jesus would not have been cool with. Yeah. There's nothing about it that Jesus would have condoned. He would not condone anybody trying to rule over another person either. What are you holding on to? That's when that's where my frustration comes out, and, and I'll I'll make a post on Facebook about it. Man, I can drive some libertarians crazy on social media. Because <laughs> yeah, I think what I think what frustrates some people with me when they get frustrated with me is because they're like well, libertarians are our allies. No, they're not. If you're trying to fix something that is trying to take control of something, no, you're not my ally. You're my enemy. Yeah, there's nothing. It, and to be let's let's talk about this for one second. I don't want to keep you too long, but if we're going to be fair about the, the founders of the United States of America, they were probably libertarian. Yeah. Probably libertarians. If you think, if you go back and read the stuff they were talking, they have a lot of great things to say. But guess what? We're fixing to go into another Joe Biden, Donald Trump presidential election. <laughs> what? <laughs> Stop. Let's walk away from this. This is, this is insanity. What is the definition of insanity? Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Stop. Stop it. Let's try something different. Let's walk away. And let's go read Joseph's books. I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> so before I let you go, um, and I, I I like my rants sometimes. They just come out of nowhere. And I don't know if my producer likes them or not. because I've got to edit this out somehow, or I got to figure out how to edit edit his, his nonsense. But she does a pretty good job of this. But before I let you go, why don't you tell us where we can find your books, where they can order your books, and um, when you get that fourth book written or your next one, we'll get you back on the show and we'll talk about those as well. Awesome, yeah. So everath.com is the is the main website. That's just e v o r a t h dot com, and that has. Uh, that has links to everything. That's the official website. Uh, you can go on Amazon. So like most independently published authors, I, um, I've opted to do Amazon uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. So there's paperbacks you can buy and you can actually order them just about anywhere, I think, because um, I do have ex expanded distribution through, through another company. But uh, Amazon, if you follow my author page on Amazon, so Joseph P. McLeano, 
like you get notified of any new releases and stuff. So that's one of the best places. Um, and then the the one thing I thought of, which I should have mentioned to you at the beginning, uh, so you can uh, can tell me how you want to handle this. I, I can send you some links as well to social or anything else you need. Um, but the one thing I also thought of is, uh, so especially with the launch of the new series, so not this trilogy, but I'm going to be looking to expand my ARC review team. So that's advanced reader copy. So anyone who is listening, who's like-minded and, and loves freedom, or, you know, just Christianity in general. I like how you said earlier, it shouldn't just be Christian anarchy. It's just Christianity because it's the truth. Like <laughs> That is the truth of Christianity. Um, so anyone who is like-minded would love to get like a free digital copy. Uh, an ARC reader is basically an advanced reader. So you read the book before it's released. That way, when it's released, you can write a, you can post a review for it. If anyone's interested in that, I will actually get a link for that as well to, to sign up for that. Because I would love to, uh, again, especially with the release of the next the next series, get some more people on that team and get some more. Uh, just frankly, if, if you like fantasy and you're of this like mindset, I'd love to just give you something good to read. So, Yeah, yeah send me those links. Um, our producer does a pretty good job of researching all that stuff. But just in case, send me those links and then. Um, it, it, folks, if you're listening to this, go to um, thebadroman.com because our, our our show notes are, are way more detailed in the, on the website than what we share like on under the podcast. Like if you go to Spotify or Podbean or something, but if you go to the, the website, the, the show notes are way more detailed and you're going to find the information about Joseph's books probably more detailed there than you're going to find on Spotify or, or, or Podbean. Thebadroman.com is the best way to find all those show notes. That's how I listen. I, I usually go directly and listen to the podcast on the on the website. <laughs> I listen to my pod, a lot of my podcasts on on Spotify, and I listen to Podbean sometimes too. But if I, most of the time it's just on Spotify because I listen to a lot of different podcasts. But I find actually that's all I do is listen to podcasts unless I'm sitting at home and I'm drinking a couple of beers. I'm like, oh, I want to listen to some Tupac or some old country music or something. My my music. <laughs> Tastes go in all different directions, so it's it's that's it depends on my mood. But a lot of times when I'm in my truck, you know, commuting to work and back or traveling, I'm, I'm listening to podcasts. It passes the time for me. Well, Joseph, man, I've appreciated this, and I, like I said, I apologize for not um, doing this last week. But we got it locked down. We got it, and we're going to get you uh, get this episode out as soon as possible, so folks can go check out your books. That's awesome. And when you get those others, you get those others written. Let me know. And we'll get you back on the show and talk about those as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It, it's really been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, it, it's fun to be on, on this side. You know, I, I get to listen to these podcasts, but it's always fun to, to appear. So thank you. I really appreciate the time. And we're, we're going to do this again and, and stay active, man. I, I always appreciate your posts and, the, and the, your interaction in the discussion group, too, and, and visiting us on the Zoom calls we do once a month. So we'll do this again. Awesome. All right, buddy, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project, and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com.